Welcome to the VGM Underground, a video game music podcast featuring pretty much any video game soundtrack that uh, we like or we've come across. Um, there's a lot of video game music podcasts out there, but for the most part, um, I Ours know... is better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're going for. Um, but no, uh, so basically, like, uh, as far as, like, where the inspiration for this came from is just I ha- I have always enjoyed video game music. It's always been... Uh, I-, I pretty much for years of my life, ex- listened exclusively to video game music. This is true. I can testify. <laughs> yes, he can. Uh, I'm your host, uh, Joseph Kutcher, by the way, also known as Cup of Joe Gamer, and I'm joined by... Jake, or Jake Kritcher, as my professional name is. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that. We'll uh, Obviously, we'll uh, plug ourselves at the end here, but uh, thank you for joining me on this uh, new venture for just a, just a fun little project to do when we can. That's right. Um, so really the inspiration with this is like basically my favorite video game music podcast has been on hiatus for a good many years. And I, I say good many, but it's like probably like three. <laughs> but um, just feeling the absence of that and knowing that like there's a lot of topics that they weren't able to cover within their first uh, 150 episodes or so uh, before they're closing. And there are so many great video game soundtracks out there that we could cover. But for our first outing, I thought it would be a really good idea to touch on something that uh you and me jake are uh we have a lot of attachment to um and that is the soundtracks to banjo kazooie and banjo tooie one of my the original is like one of my favorite games of all time the music definitely hangs in my memories for that yep yep uh released in 1998 for the nintendo 64 and uh composer grant kirkhope uh with the developers being the company rareware uh they were uh, basically like this uh third party company that became a second party nintendo where nintendo hired them on like full time almost to make uh, Nintendo 64 games and for the late era SNES uh, Super Nintendo and boy did they kill it holy cow it was like every single year you were getting at least like one or two rareware games for a good long time Grant Kirkhope who is the composer for the Banjo series uh, almost exclusively um he you can just like look at his resume I I brought it up on uh the fandom wiki for Banjo Kazooie earlier today <laughs> and just like every year he was doing a soundtrack that was just like between Banjo Kazooie and Banjo Tooie which is like you know Banjo Kazooie's 9998 Banjo Tooie's 2000 like he does the Donkey Kong 64 soundtrack the year between as well in 99 <laughs> which is like just a side project <laughs> yeah which is like you know you need work but like holy cow like to to be like the main lead of all those uh huge games and like all the music in those are very prolific it's it's just insane how far these people were able to go and just expand their library of great tracks anyway so uh that's what we're going to do today is we'll be looking at the first two banjo kazooie titles uh obviously the first one banjo kazooie and the second banjo tooie but banjo kazooie uh just to talk about it real quick um 
basically it's a it's a 3D platform game. Let me just bring up the old <laughs> the old school box art here to uh, talk about the premise. Meet the newest dynamic duo, Banjo Kazooie. Trouble is brewing on Spiral Mountain. Gruntilda the witch, wildly jealous of Tootie the honey bear's good looks, <laughs> is determined to steal them for herself. But even as she whisks the helpless youngster off to her tower, Tootie's big brother Banjo and his loudmouth partner Kazooie, who is a Breagle, I believe is the type of bird she is. Um, <laughs> News to me. Are hot on their trail to rescue her, aided by the mystical shaman Mumbo Jumbo. Banjo and Kazooie must tackle gloomy swamps, scorching deserts, towering mountains, and spooky haunted houses on their way to the final confrontation at the summit of Gruntilda's lair. I just want to note that the black text is very hard to read on the back of this very colorful <laughs> box art. It is like really like you guys could have uh, tried a little harder there. Like it's so tiny. <laughs> I mean, look what they did to him. They're sending him into a coughing fit. Basically. You couldn't yeah. read it. You're killing me. You're killing me, Banjo Kazooie. But uh, this came in at a time when uh, Mario 64 was only a year old, I believe, at this point. And for <laughs> Rareware to follow up the year after with this game, uh, honestly, a pretty big uh, contingency between uh, gamers, whether, like, what's the better game to you, Super Mario 64 or Banjo-Kazooie? <laughs> and I kind of go back and forth, honestly. Um I love a tough one. It is a tough dis- discussion because it's like when you look at the pros and cons of both of them, like they're very different. Yeah. Um, they have the same general build, but... Yep. You basically like the premise of everything is like you go on a level and you got to collect all the doohickeys <laughs> um, to get like the end thing. Like for Mario, it's like he'll have to do a task to find a power star. Um, but in Banjo-Kazooie, they're collecting these giant gold uh, puzzle pieces jiggies yep and like they do have like a narrative theming as to why you're collecting them but like i feel like banjo kazooie's is a little more grounded <laughs> um it makes sense because uh as banjo uh the bear and kazooie explore gruntilla the witch's lair um they find these worlds that are basically like you find a painting that's like missing puzzle pieces so what you gotta do is like put uh put piece the, it together piece it together yeah so you're finding these jiggies as they call them to put into the pictures and a new world will open up where as Mario is kind of like arbitrarily like, yeah, you got enough stars. <laughs> yeah. And Mario is kind of like a currency. Yeah. You just kind of like spend the stars to open these doors. Banjo Kazooie kind of made that more of an applicable actual item. Yeah. It, <laughs> it made a whole lot more sense, which is crazy when you think about it, because the premise of Banjo, I feel is like <laughs> you look at Mario, which is like, yeah, it's playful. But Banjo-Kazooie is just so out there. Like, everything's, like, squash and stretchy and, like, as cartoony yep. as possible. There's so much British humor in, oh, in all of the designs and just the sounds and everything. A lot of, like, a lot of poop jokes. A lot of, <laughs> <laughs> well, not a lot of poop jokes necessarily, but there's a lot of, like, there's a lot of farty noises in these games. Yeah, yep. And uh, the characters talk and, like, you know, Gruntilla's like, <laughs> like, everything, nobody is, like, actually speaking dialogue. You're just, like, hearing, like, these loud noises from every <laughs> creature that you encounter. But, yeah, so we'll go into our first uh, three tracks here. Um, uh, Jake has picked out Freezy Easy Peak, Mad Monster Mansion, and Click Clock Wood, uh, the spring version. Can you talk about like why you picked out these tracks necessarily? Yeah. Um, so Freezy Easy Peak. It's um, one of the earlier ones. It was it was honestly a hard choice between this and like Treasure Trove Cove because mm. that I remember when Treasure Trove Cove it was like okay this is really where you start to get the the feel for what this game is like and what yep. the humor is and stuff. I believe it's the second level. So yeah, yeah, that makes yeah. sense. But I 
it came down to freeze easy peak i think because it has this really cool like build up in the beginning that just kind of like puts you in the mood for like the the cold <laughs> yeah environment it is a very cool stage in all honesty yeah it it's kind a- of captures like um kind of the feel of christmas but not actually really quite christmas it's yeah. like it's like the build up to christmas is what this level that's is a like. really good way of looking at it yeah because it's like so you're like you're basically in this like little snow-filled valley more or less it's got like a giant christmas tree in it yep it's got a giant snowman that it towers i mean <laughs> like the tree is big but this snowman is like 60 percent of the level yeah it's like i don't think it, up to that point i don't remember seeing something that big in a video game before that's a fair point it was huge it was massive and like you were talking about treasure trove cove which i actually had to throw into my picks uh nice. we'll get to that later um treasure trove cove is a huge stage <laughs> And it back then, like, it just felt like these worlds were so massive and I never had seen anything like it. It felt like not necessarily that you could get lost in them like you can in like today's open world games, but like to just like the concept of a level being this big was really, I mean, I I feel like it was very breathtaking. Yeah. And they never felt too big. They never felt cramped. Right. They had tons of uh, locales just within them. And yeah, so like, there's so much to talk about with Banjo-Kazooie. Yeah. We'll, we'll uh, get into these first three tracks here without further ado. They've got, um, I mean, being that these levels are so big and that you've got a lot of ground to cover, mm-hmm. these they have a challenge on their hands with these tracks. They have to make these very likable uh-huh. and not repetitive. Yeah. At least not in the repetitive sense that it's like, okay, this is annoying. Yeah, you're going to spend a lot of time in these stages and just like, because... Because you can go, you can come back to these stages at any time and like finish all the objectives and come back and get all the jiggies or all find all the jinjos, which are like these little magical flying guys that are in every stage. Yeah, like there's there's so much that you can just come back for and do. Like what Jake said, like to have this theme that's like it's constantly playing. Yeah, they they found their ground yep. with this. So yep. all right, we'll jump into these. That's Freezy Easy Peak, Mad Monster Mansion, and Click Clock Wood Spring Version. And we'll be back. Thank you. 
that was Freezy Easy Peak, Mad Monster Mansion, and Click Clock Wood Spring. And Jake, you were just talking about how <laughs> uh, seemingly it's like they use the environmental uh, sound effects in the tracks and it's part of the music. And yep. I was <laughs> genuinely wondering, I'm like, now are these like rips that I got from the soundtrack, like just from gameplay that somebody had pulled or are these from the actual tracks? And when you listen to songs like Click Clock Wood yep. specifically, it's like, oh my gosh, like all these environmental sounds like are part of the track and yep. it plays off the music plays off of it yep it's so cool like you you'll hear the it's just like it's on <laughs> the off, bird sound yeah it's just like on the offbeat there and like that's such an incredible use of sound to mm-hmm. where like it's not annoying right and uh you were pointing out that like crickets are constantly going on the background so it sounds like it's its own instrument um man it's just it's just really smart stuff it's very creative and i I can't obviously say for sure without pulling apart the the original audio file to know for sure that it's not, that it is part of the audio track. But it sounds like it is, especially after hearing Click Clock Wood with the bird coming off and mm-hmm. after p- particular lines in the song. And you'll hear birds chirping in the background. It's just like, chip, 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 chip. you know, it's yeah, just like going it, with the beat. Yeah, it has to be part of it. So uh, yeah, at least Click Clock Wood. But yeah, for sure. This is also like a good uh, time to point out the fact that like there are variations of every single one of these soundtracks. Oh my like, gosh, yeah. It's insane. Like there's probably at least like, I mean, for Click Clock Wood alone, there's probably like 26 versions <laughs> of that song because you'll go in a house and they'll have a different variation of it. Or you'll be underwater and it smoothly transitions into the underwater version of it. Yep. It's insane. To the point where the main area that you explore, Gruntilda's Lair, which I'll underlay here in the audio, this particular song plays while you are exploring the actual tower that the witch Gruntilda houses. And it's basically you're making your way up to the top of the tower by beating all these stages that are housed within. It's kind of like Super Mario 64 where you found the paintings and you jumped into them until you eventually found the last one. But uh, for Grunty's tower, like it felt like an actual level itself. Yeah. And every single area in Gruntilda's tower, I say tower, I, I think it's just Grunty's lair. lair. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's lair. Um, each area has its own version of Grunty's lair when you reach the <laughs> level area for it. So there's a Bubble Gloop Swamp version. There's a Treasure Trove Cove. I think the Gobi's Valley for the desert is my favorite yeah. of the variations. Yeah, very cool. But that, I mean, that song, in it, this song in itself is just, like, so good. And I never got tired of it. And the creepy, dark corners of every cat. I explored everything in this game <laughs> as possible. And they, like, they encourage it. There's so many things to collect and find and uh, objectives to meet, people to find. I never forgot the first time I ever found Cheeto, the <laughs> flying cheat book that gave you, like, actual, like, secret cheat codes to put into the game later. Hilarious. Oh, fourth wall breaking. Oh, it's so good. And, I mean, they they wore everything on their sleeves. They're just like, <laughs> look, this is exactly what this game is. Like, half the time the characters are breaking the fourth wall to tell you about something that's going on. That like yep. They just fully accepted that this is a video game, don't take it seriously. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, well, see you at the credits. Like, they yep. make comments like that all the time, and it is so good. <laughs> Moving into our next three tracks, like I mentioned before, I couldn't pass up playing Treasure Trove Cove. This is one of the best video game songs I have ever heard. Like, it is so contagious. It really is. It is such a good... You hear that, and you know where you are. Like, it's... <laughs> yep. Like, I could be playing any game right now, and if someone, like... I could be playing a full blast, and if someone behind me was playing Banjo-Kazooie 
and I just heard like a few notes, like I knew exactly what was going on behind me. <laughs> it's so iconic. Uh, after that, we've got inside the crew quarters, which is actually like this is when I was talking. This is what I mean by uh, the variations of these stages. This is actually a variation of the stage Rusty Bucket Bay. It's it's such an odd stage, and honestly, because like you're exploring this like big tugboat, you know, it's really industrialized, and it's just kind of like in this dock, not going anywhere. <laughs> So it's like you're left to like explore this like gross toxic area. <laughs> they did a really good job making this level like nasty. <laughs> oh, it's so like yeah, like which Banjo Tooie makes a step further with like almost all of its stages. I was gonna say all of Banjo Tooie reminds me of this one level. Banjo <laughs> yeah, <Kazooie. laughs> it's like very miserable. So yeah, inside the crew quarters, that's like basically the very sailory version of the song that you've already been hearing in this like disgusting bay. That's like the water, I believe, is. I think the it's water, like brown. <laughs> yeah, the water's like brown and there's even like a toxic waste dump in one corner of the stage yep. that like you have to like avoid that somehow has a shark swimming in it, like <laughs> mutant shark, <laughs> mutant shark, I guess. But yeah, there's a lot of, lot of uh, fun stuff to do in that stage, but it is hard. I just remember that stage being very, very difficult. Yeah, it's not easy. Yeah. So I picked basically the happiest version of that song from that stage because <laughs> I feel like we're going to be getting into like a lot of like low-key stuff with Banjo-Tooie anyway, so I didn't want to, you know, bookend the show with something like this just <laughs> completely down. Following that is Clanker's Cavern, which it's funny <laughs> because aesthetically it's almost the same as Rusty Bucket Bay, yep. but like... Something about, like, you're in this small cavern. You don't even... I mean, it's kind of an odd area to begin with. Like, when, right. you, when you enter the stage, it's almost like you found this, like, hole in a mountain that, like, <laughs> there's no way out of this place. There's drain pipes everywhere or something. But, like, there's this giant living robotic shark called <laughs> Clanker living there. And the entire stage is whether or not you are, like, exploring around Clanker or inside Clanker. And it's actually, like, one genuinely one of the most creative stages in the game. <laughs> and you do some, like, really wacky stuff as you, like, go in and out of him in, like, different areas of his body. Whether it's his fins on the side or the blowhole on the top. And he even talks to you. And I th and if I remember correctly, he's, like, honestly nice to you. He's like, pretty charming. <laughs> like, he's got, like, razor-sharp blades for teeth. And, like, you go in inside him and, like, there are actual, like, saw blades in there. But, like, you talk to him and he's totally chill. He's like, hey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, um, yeah. If so you we'll, could, like, fix my tooth, that'd be great. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. He has a gold tooth that you shoot out. Yeah. It's such a... Man, what a weird game. <laughs> uh, it's so I good, wouldn't though. like uh, I wouldn't like uh, Clanker's Cavern if it weren't for Clanker. Yeah. Clanker definitely has made that memorable for me. That's a good point. Um, it is a very, like, drab stage. Um, it basically feels like you're in a giant pipe. <laughs> that's a Yeah, that's a really good analogy, actually, because you do see, like, sewer pipes coming in and out everywhere. Yeah, it's like you're a little mouse in a pipe. Yep. Okay, so for those three tracks, we'll go into Treasure Trove Cove, Inside the Crew Quarters, and Clanker's Cavern. And we'll be back.
That was Treasure Trove Cove, Inside the Crew Quarters, and Clinker's Cavern, which are very, they're very different from each other. Um, I felt like uh, Crew Quarters, even though it's from a completely different stage, uh, actually played off Treasure Trove Cove quite well. Yeah, Um, for sure. Getting into Clinker's Cavern, though, I gotta say, I feel like the instrumentation is not as varied as a lot of the other tracks, which I really like Clinker's Cavern, but it is definitely like, there's only like two instruments going on kind of thing. (laughs) Yeah. But, um, which only kind of makes the claustrophobic feeling of that stage, like, all the more, like, noticeable. Yep. I did want to bring to note one thing, and that is Bottles' Puzzle Challenge, <laughs> which I'll just play. <laughs> <laughs> it exists. It's real. Okay. So, uh, after you beat the game, uh, you can find, if you go back to Banjo's house, you can find this little puzzle challenge that, and this might be a little loud, actually. Um, I just, I'm jamming. You can't see me, but I'm I'm shaking my shoulders. Okay, but if like that's a thing. <laughs> but like, first of all, to like have such a huge end game as this, it's kind of unprecedented for a 3D platformer at the time. Mm. 
Like Mario 64, when you got all the stars, like that was it. You got that like you got this like dumb little jump, and nowhere to use it, and nowhere <laughs> to use it. Like you, you've done the game. Whereas like Banjo Kazooie, at least like you you there was like this cheat code room already because uh, you could find Cheeto the cheat you know spell book, and he would hand you small cheats that like helped you make things easier. But then like to find this these extra challenges to like get big head mode or like <laughs> tiny banjo mode tiny body banjo like <laughs> all this stuff was like hilarious and like just so fun to play with like it even though you did everything in the game it genuinely made me like keep playing because it was just like <laughs> look at this ridiculous thing like and it just like kept getting crazier and crazier my personal favorite was that you could make Banjo look like a long hot dog, essentially. Oh, yeah. And then you'd try to do the somersault, and he would just kind of phase through the ground as he rolls. <laughs> <laughs> the hot dog part does not bend at all, so it just, no. it's basically like a two-by-four. Or it'd be like giant Kazooie, but Banjo himself is small. Yeah. Stuff like that was so fun to play with. And honestly, hey, developers, we miss those. Yeah, can we get, like, cheats built in that are hilarious? Yeah, like, seriously, like, anything like that would be nice right now. Because I feel like, I feel like games are so serious now. And, <laughs> yeah, like, we still get, like, very lighthearted games all the time. But, like, to find these, like, just insanely, like, transforming features to like, your character, <laughs> it's just, you don't see it anymore, is what I'm saying. And it's very true. I would love to see Nintendo or somebody, like, come back with this and, like, can you imagine playing through Ocarina of Time with, like, Big Head Link or something? Like, <laughs> I'd play through the whole game again. <laughs> <laughs> I would, totally. The cutscenes would be hilarious. <laughs> I mean, just imagine Link trying to pull up the Ocarina to start playing it, and he just puts it in his face because his head is so big. <laughs> right? Or, like, or, dude, Tiny Head Link. Tiny just, like, Head Link. Puts his whole face in one of the holes of the Ocarina. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> Okay, so moving on to Banjo-Tooie, uh, released two years later in 2000. Uh, end of the game of Banjo-Kazooie, you thumble Gruntilda's plans to steal the beauty from your sister. And push. <laughs> she literally gets sent off a cliff <laughs> and lands like in a very cartoony, like face plants into the ground. And it's like the shape of her body thing. Wily Coyote style. Yep. And then like a big giant boulder falls down and closes her in there. It's like... <laughs> Did our job. like <laughs> Yeah, she's done. <laughs> she is like, and you can see af even after you beat the game, which is, which is another thing that you didn't see in Nintendo games was acknowledgement that you had beaten the game in the game world. You could always go <laughs> back to where you pushed Gruntilda off the cliff and just see the rock under like pushing around. Like it was <laughs> clearly like you beat the game and it acknowledges that. So, like, Gruntilda's stuck under there, under that rock. It was pretty cool. Yeah. So, Banjo-Tooie, this, like, blew me away. Because I remember being on vacation and seeing the cartridge for this game for the first time and never knowing that there was an actual Banjo-Tooie. Like, they <laughs> tease it at the end of the game, like, I'll be back in Banjo-Tooie. And you just, like, that's the most ridiculous title I've ever heard. Like, there's no freaking <laughs> way that thing exists. And to be, like in north carolina one randomly like walked past a GameStop to see this <laughs> this like green cartridge that says banjo tui on it <laughs> i flipped out like <laughs> we're like wait the fabled the fabled game is real it was like a prophecy coming true i was just like you have got to be kidding me and this is well after the year 2000 i mean like 
the fact that we didn't know that Banjo-Tooie was an actual thing was honestly like, I don't know how, how I glossed <laughs> over that. I was just like the internet, we were on the internet, like all the yeah. time. Like maybe we weren't on it enough because it was dial up. Oh but... uh, yeah. Yeah. That's probably a big part of it, but. And also we didn't subscribe to Nintendo power or anything. So we basically <laughs> didn't get a whole lot of game news, but yeah. Right. So Banjo-Tooie, uh, composer Grant Kirkhope, uh, returns and uh, spearheads this whole thing again after coming back from Donkey Kong 64. And uh, personally, I think Banjo-Tooie, you could contend that it's a better game, but I feel like it couldn't have been as good as it is if not for the mistakes made in Donkey Kong 64. (laughs) And uh, for one, uh, Donkey Kong 64 is an okay game, but it is riddled with just time-wasting. There is so much to pick up, and you can't pick it up unless you're playing as the correct character. Yep. It's it's bonkers. What, so much trial and error. It's by awful. the way, there's like five characters. Yeah, there's five. Yeah, it's five Kongs, right? Like, okay, DK, Diddy, Lanky, Tiny. And Chunky. And Chunky. Yeah, five Kongs. And it's like, you're telling me I have to walk these corridors as each of these characters just because yep. they there might be a banana that only one of them can pick <laughs> up here? Like, that's nonsense. And the corridors are huge! Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, and they are huge. But Banjo-Tooie, like, it is a massive game. It is so big. It's probably It'll probably take you, like, twice, if not three times longer to beat Banjo-Tooie than I it did that. the first game. It's, an, it's almost like an open-world design, but I'm going to say right here now, I believe Banjo-Tooie is a Metroidvania. Um, <laughs> almost every single stage can connect to another stage. That's true. Like, there are secret corridors and stuff that you can find that, like, are paramount to you, like, collecting what you need to in the game. There's, like, trains that'll send you to different stages. Um, I just, I remember one specifically, you're in the mine level, and you find this, like, little crawl space, and then it takes you back to the first stage. I forgot about that, yeah. And I just, like, wow, this is so cool. And, you know, years later, you know, we learn about the whole, we had played, we played Metroid later on, I think. I think it was a little intimidating for us to play back in the day, but to, like, acknowledge this world that, like, everything's connected, you're searching every crevice for ways to, like, traverse the world better and coming back to areas... And Banjo-Tooie does all that in 2000. So, like, to find this thing that, like, most everybody is, like, talks about, and it's a very, uh, very popular genre, to find this thing that is is part of, like, one of my favorite platforming games as well is, like, I don't know, it's a big deal to me to, like, acknowledge that, like, yeah, it did all that, too, like, back yeah. then. The premise of this game is a little, is much darker, actually. Um, it takes place, like, I think it's, like, four months after Banjo-Kazooie. Klungo, uh, Gruntilda's henchman, Remo- finally removes the rock that is over her by four months later. <laughs> yeah, I think he's like the... Actually, no, he doesn't remove it because he's like the whole time like trying to push up against it and he's like getting right. nowhere. He- Can you imagine trying to push a rock for four months? <laughs> um, Poor guy. <laughs> so out of nowhere, Gruntilda's two sisters emerge from their drilling machine. Like they just like bust through the wall. Sisters? What? Yeah, basically. And for like, you know... Finding a game that is, like, old and that you should have known about and then, like, basically expanding on the story like you never thought. Pretty cool. So, like, her sisters, like, emerge from this uh, machine, use a spell to break the rock, and Gruntilda crawls out a skeleton. (laughs) And, like, basically, like, she gets uh, her revenge by teaming up with uh, her sisters and plans to drain the actual energy out of all living creatures (laughs) to get her body back. Very dark. Yeah. The game opens with her killing one of the main characters. 
<laughs> um, bottles, the little mole that like teaches you all your moves, gets zapped like in the opening <laughs> right moments. In the it's crazy for a kids game. That's like really intense. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, like the tone is much darker. Instead of spo- exploring uh, Gruntilda's lair, you're actually exploring the world around Banjo's home, and it turns out that uh, Banjo's home is located in the Isle of Hags. And uh, basically, from what I can tell, it's like these three witches have always ruled this area. And I don't know about you, but I think uh, Banjo could have like chosen a better place to live than <laughs> next door to the witch that rules the area. Poor choice of real estate. <laughs> He's like, no, nothing will happen to me or my sister here. No, it's like her castle is like in the shape of her face. So it's like there's no <laughs> mistaking it. He didn't like accidentally put his house here. Like, yeah, it's not like. You buy a house and like, oh, I didn't realize they were going to build a highway right here. (laughs) No, she was there the whole time. She was there for (laughs) centuries. Like, Banjo, what you doing, man? (laughs) As I stated before, Banjo-Tooie is much darker. Um, And it's not just in the music, but it's also definitely like in like some of the shading of the characters. Like, there's just like a lot less lighting going on in this game. Yeah. You can like travel to some pretty dark places. And I remember playing on our very small CRT television trying to like... (laughs) see your way through like dark mines or like like me especially having played rareware games that obsesses with hiding things everywhere i just like instinctively had to explore every dark corner even though it was just like a textureless corner yeah i'm just like i need to check that out because there might be something there yep and And sometimes they would put something there you never knew like it was insane like donkey kong country was really bad about that where it's just like (laughs) here's a bonus barrel in an area where the screen doesn't even follow and you're supposed to just dive down there. <laughs> like, yep. It's crazy. But Banjo-Tooie learned a lot of lessons and uh, I feel like a lot of the new moves they bring out, a lot of the areas are just really clever. You, I feel like in some of them, I feel like, okay, we're, we might be reaching the bottom of the barrel as far as level ideas, but as far as characters involved, music, it is still very creative. Yeah. Classic uh, rareware. Absolutely. So the first three tracks we'll be jumping into for Banjo-Tooie is Atlantis, which I believe is an area beneath Jolly Roger's Lagoon, which is the only water stage in the level that I can think of. Yeah. And it's pretty large. It's like you find this like lagoon, but like once you go down underwater, it's like, oh, this is the level. Like (laughs) everything is underwater. Found it. It's like you find Davy Jones's actual like school locker down there. (laughs) It's so great. uh, It's like, oh man, Rareware's top of their game with all their puns and jokes and whatever but they definitely crank the dial to 11 with the fart jokes and stuff oh yeah this game <laughs> is a lot grosser <laughs> not quite as bad as uh, conquer's bad fur day which like i can't even rem- recommend conquer's bad fur day because the humor is so disgusting in that game <laughs> we had no business playing that game as kids <laughs> but um we'll be diving into atlantis Hailfire Peaks, which was like a half ice, half lava stage, which was really cool. Uh, Had a similar vibe to uh, Click Clock Wood in the sense that there's not four versions this time, but there's two versions of this level. Mm -hmm. And there's like one side was icy and one side's lava. If you ask me, the fire, the lava version of the song is much, much better. Okay. Um, But it's, uh, it definitely captures the intensity, the intense vibe of just being on top of a volcano. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really cool. Um, realize we didn't say a whole lot of Atlantis's music. Oh, sorry. Um, but it's really, um, it's just kind of like enchanting. Yeah. And it really, they do a good job at capturing like the underwater feel without it being the typical like blub blub echoey, yep. you know. It but, is, it does take you aback because I believe like Jolly Roger 
bay like has its own underwater theme already so that when you find atlantis like further down in the water it's just like oh wow like look where we are there's these old pillars like and it looks like there's this little minty mini atlantis down there yeah Hellfire Peaks is really cool. I remember that stage. The lava part, I remember the lava side being very tough. And, like, just a ton of enemies, like, hitting you from afar and, like, can take a lot of health from you. And they knock you into the lava and you take extra damage. Uh, Yeah, that happened a lot, for sure. (laughs) And uh, then, Jake, you picked out the credits theme. Uh, Is there a particular reason why you went with the credits? Yeah, I was listening to these tracks again, and I remember the credits credits theme being um, pretty memorable but I couldn't remember why, so I played it again, and it really just... It's honestly a medley of a lot of the best tracks from the whole series, mm-hmm. um, and it's but it's, like, a little more symphonic-sounding and just has this kind of... Kind of feels like it's nicely wrapping it up. Yeah, it feels, like, very level. Like, it's just like, hey, you did it. Like, here's the big ceremony afterwards. Right, like, exactly. And it kind of, like, recaps things musically, but also, like, the tone of it is just really interesting because it's, like... It's almost like looking back at a memory because it sounds a little bit different, but it's like, it's almost like this appreciative nostalgia. So you're like hearing these, mm. these tracks that you're familiar with, but they sound more nostalgic and like, almost like walking like a through, memory. Yeah. Like walking through a museum of it. Like here's, here's how it, you remember it. And like, it's grander because you look back on it now. Kind yeah. Of thing. Okay. So we'll jump into those three tracks and be back.
All right, so that was title theme, Atlas. I keep saying Atlas. <laughs> Atlantis and Hailfire Peaks, Fireside. Yeah, a lot of diversity there. Um, Atlantis, you had mentioned, it is very, like, floaty, but it's, like, it's very um, calming. Mysterious. Yeah, it's, like, it's, <laughs> it's not it's not quite calming because it's Banjo-Tooie and they want you to be on edge and, like, <laughs> sad for some reason. But, yeah. But it is very, very uh, calming track. They want you to be sad. <laughs> I mean, they kind of feel... It feels like it does, doesn't it? It's yeah. like every every texture, like everybody you meet is just like, my dad died. Yeah, it's very... Everyone's having a hard time. <laughs> it's like and every stage is very drab. I think the last stage in... Actually, the last stage in the game is the happiest place is Cloud Cuckoo Land. But oh, it's yeah. like... But it's still like... It's more like crazy happy where it's just like... Uh, it's still unsettling. Like we're in this weird sky world where like things are just really ridiculous and this doesn't make me happy it means makes me concerned (laughs) (laughs) it honestly sounds like a song straight from a lunatic's brain (laughs) yep yep yeah i i never did like that stage it just felt like where are we it felt like a weird conglomeration of like childhood whimsy and like insanity where it's like you got like a giant cheese castle just on a floating island somewhere it's like and then an old woman dressed up as a yellow bird. Is she a woman? I yeah. think so. <laughs> yeah, I think that is a fake beak that she... But she can fly. Like, it's really weird. It's like... She's uh, clearly insane. Canary Mary, right? Canary Mary, yep. It's so weird. That was <laughs> the most aggravating part of that game because you had to race her on a flying mechanical mouse. This is this whole conversation is getting worse and worse as I <laughs> talk about it, but Cloud Cuckoo Land is just one of the weirdest things I've ever done. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so yeah, so we got three more tracks here for Pancho <laughs> Um These ones are a little uh, more down to earth, I'd say, uh, and much more uh, akin to the first Banjo game. We've got Honeybee's Hive, which Honeybee is like this living, like, honeybee queen. Um, throughout the game, you find honey pieces as uh, your health, but you can also increase it by finding empty honeycomb pieces. And in Banjo Tooie, you, ex- you would exchange these pieces and she would give you a new uh, blip on your health meter. She's kind of like, she kind of expands the lore a bit, like where the honeycombs come from, basically. It's like, oh, there are actually like bees in this place that like make these. It's like, it's just a little more lore and background for the world and how it works, as odd as it is already. Next, we got Klungo's theme, which is uh, Gruntilda's henchman, who you will face multiple times in the game as a mini boss. And uh, he's just basically, like, always getting in your way, tossing potions, drinking potions that will affect how he <laughs> plays. He's uh, he's more or less, uh, you know, the yes, master uh, <laughs> yeah. background uh, villain. But with a deep voice. <laughs> but with a deep voice and a big uh, chin. Yes, <laughs> master. <laughs> <laughs> basically, he's like... I think he ends all his ent- uh, words with, like, lots of S's. It's yeah. Like, Sire. <laughs> Lastly, we have Glitter Gulch Mine, which uh, I have labeled as... The best song with a donkey hee-haw in it you ever did dud here. <laughs> um, it is surprisingly, uh-huh. like, really good. <laughs> um, it's it's definitely a standout track for the soundtrack. When I think Banjo-Tooie, I think of Glitter Gulch Mine just because it's it's probably the happiest you'll get with the hmm. music. It's funny, uh, looking at your list here, these three tracks were definitely close seconds 
all three of them. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Nice, nice. The Honeybee's Hive and Columbus theme. Yeah, all of them. Honeybee's Hive is just so funny to listen to. It <laughs> it's, is. It's like, it's the funniest, like, kazoo song I've ever heard. Yeah. It's like literal bees making music. <laughs> Basically, yeah. <laughs> I, I felt like I really needed to, like, pull some tracks that would really lighten the mood after the last three, so... Um, so yeah, that's what we got here. We got Honeybee's Hive, Clungo's Theme, and Glitter Gulch Mine. And we'll be back. Thank you. 
into the mood by um, blowing on the spouts of these bottles. It's a jug band Christmas. <laughs> it's not even Thanksgiving yet. Ugh. You better slow down there, partner. But uh, I'm right when I say that uh, Glitter Gulch Mine is the best song with the donkey he in it. You are always right, brother. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's basically the show. Um, we wanted to showcase some of our favorite tracks from childhood favorites. Uh, CC. Me and Jake, we grew up with Banjo-Kazooie. It was one of our... I mean, like, th- we probably played more of that game than any game growing up until Smash Bros. At Brothers least on the like, 64. That was insane. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, hours spent going back to Banjo-Kazooie playing with the cheat codes. Yep. I've probably played through Banjo 1 at least three times, Banjo-Tooie at least twice. Like, yep. And like one of the uh, best things about those games is that they are so replayable. Yeah. Like You're probably going to forget most of the jokes that happened during the course of your adventure. That's but, true. There's a lot. Yep. Um, obviously, there's like speed running, runners that love going through games over and over again, but I feel like one of the best parts about Banjo-Kazooie, the first game in the series, is that it is such a breezy game when whenever i think of playing through banjo kazooie i just i reminisce and know how easy it would be to just play through it and enjoy it all over again yeah each stage of the first game is like you go in a stage and you can get everything in that stage before moving on to the next that's one thing i love about it you're constantly learning moves but none of them are required for stages that you've already been in so like you you go in there learn a move and then you can get everything in that stage like it's great it is excellent and so you know and this as an older as a guy who's like getting older and like has less and less time to actually play through games nowadays it's like to play a game that like i can sit down and get everything in it like so easily like it's honestly so appealing right now where like if we could like hey let's play banjo kazooie we'd both be like heck yeah let's do it yeah and it's not to say it doesn't it's not challenging it's just that it's much more approachable yeah for sure like it's definitely a very good first 3d platformer game yep it stands as one of my favorite games of all time for sure mm-hmm. and what i like to see in games is like if the soundtrack is really good you know it's good by the fact that you can hear a track and it just makes you want to play it yep exactly. so i hear a track from banjo kazooie and i'm like take me back <laughs> yep yeah that's like for sure like there's so many games that like you can pull away and be like yeah the soundtrack's good but that doesn't necessarily mean i want to play it right now and yep. yeah every single time i hear banjo kazooie music i'm like i am right there get throw that controller in my hand like yep. <laughs> i'm playing through this right now and i thought that was a really good pick uh for our first episode here for the vgm underground so thanks for joining us uh this has been cup of joe gamer for the vgm underground thank you for joining me jake uh you want to give me your plugs here so that people listening can uh, follow you and find out what you're all about yeah uh so i'm online as just jake critcher same last name as this guy here and uh you can find me on voices.com i'm on there as a voice actor um so if you need anything or if you know anybody who might want a voice actor that would be a place to find uh, me um i'm also on instagram as voices of jake and pretty much anywhere else um any other social media except for facebook i don't do facebook (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh probably best (laughs) i'm still on there and uh sometimes i wish i wasn't but uh you can follow what i do at cupofjoegamer.com i am on just about every single uh social media thing out there as cupofjoegamer that's c-u-p-p-a-j-o-e gamer and uh, hopefully uh, this will be a regular thing. We'll try to get it going here. 
Um, this was definitely like a side project that I've been wanting to do for a while was a podcast and it took me a long time to figure out what <laughs> I wanted to do. But I mean, game music was always going to be a part of it oh, and yeah. for it to be a game music podcast just kind of makes more sense. Yep. Uh, so thanks for joining us, everybody. We'll send you out here with our end theme. Uh, but stick around because we got a little game that I'm going to play with Jake here. Oh, shoot. Yeah. So thanks again, everyone. And I hope to see you next time. Oh, no, oh, no, 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 no,